scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is... Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it is our motherfucking show and not yours. Yeah, your motherfucking show is our motherfucking show. Ours, ours, uh, If ours, it's your ours. first time listening to the podcast, stop. stop. Go back, start from the beginning, episode one, grumble thorped in my mouth a little bit. Please and thank you. Recently, my boss told me that she started listening to the show, and she started from the beginning, so... Good for When her. she finally gets this episode, welcome. If you stuck with us this long, thank you so much. I hope so. Yeah, I hope you stuck with us this long and that you liked it. I hope your house in Vermont is treating you well that you built. That's me letting you know that I'm talking about you specifically without naming you, because I don't know how you feel about that. There it is. There it is. <laughs> That's the way we're doing it. That's the way we're doing it. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm, you got a lot going on this week. I do. So, uh, my other- Your birthday? Best- Happy birthday! Oh, right. My birthday. My birthday don't mean shit this year. My birthday means nothing. <laughs> but this episode comes out on your birthday. Happy birthday today. On the day this episode comes out, your birthday. No, my birthday's on Wednesday. This comes out on Thursday. Well, it comes out at midnight going into Thursday, right? Mm, We'll see. It's going to be... Sometimes it comes out Thursday It's going to come out on Thursday by noon. Well, well, your birthday was last night. It was on Wednesday. You're like, my birthday's on Wednesday. I'm like, no, I know, but okay. But yes, thank you. It was my birthday, but I... That is... Thank you. I appreciate it. But um, all overshadowed because my other best friend is getting married on Saturday and it has been two years in the running and we're ready to finally walk her down the actual aisle and get this thing done. And all the drama. There has been drama. There is stress. There is just, you know, life and weddings in I just keep saying if I'm this stressed and it's not my wedding, I don't know what I'm going to be like if I plan my wedding. Yeah. But, you know, that's assuming I'm going to get married. So, bon, bon, bon. Blessings to you. (laughs) Thank you. On this year's special day. (laughs) On this my special, special day. You're going to hear background noise on my end because, of course, now that we started recording, the dog who was previously laying on the ground and being chill has decided she wants to pick up her toy and have me play with her. So it's just everything compounding on everything today for us. I feel you, man. I feel you. How are you? Um, How am I? Well, good news that I haven't talked about on the podcast yet is that uh, I am actually stepping into the role this year. Of the operations manager for the Speakeasy. Yeah, yeah, you Halloween are. Nights. Bah, 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 blah. Congratulations. Bah, 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 bah. I'm Mr. Manager. You are Mr. Manager. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. I feel really special. And that means I'm working beside the theatrical manager, which is Shannon Turner, who I adore. I've worked with her not just at Speakeasy, but on like a Jaffe production. I've gone to see her do cabaret. I absolutely adore her. And I will be co-managing the speakeasy with her. And I can't wait. And it's going to be really cool. I'm so excited for that for you. And to go do it again this year. Me too. Because 
As oh, some of I you might have seen, we've been doing or did prison. Prison. We did time. Um, no, we did yoga at Eastern State Penitentiary. They were we offering sure it for did. free in June. And even just walking through, it's just like, oh, I can't wait to be back here in October for when you're doing your thing. And speaking of our time at Eastern State Penitentiary. It's a good segue because we're also talking about how busy we are. But (laughs) thankfully, we've also found a little buddy that's going to help us with how busy and stressed and tired we are. It's so exciting. It's super duper exciting. So if you're on our social medias, on our gram, our Instagram, on the Tiki Talk, uh, or on Twitter, I think I can probably put the video on Twitter. I don't know. You might have seen our video of us promoting this new supplement, this new drink. Uh, it's called Magic Mind. Magic but yeah, magic. And it has mind. mushrooms in it, but not the magic kind. Not the magic kind, but the other good kind. Aren't all mushrooms kind of magic though? Because they're all good. Most of them are good for you. Some of them will kill you. They do. It's true. Some of them will kill you. Some of them are good to you. Some of them will do wonky things to your mind. Um, but the mushrooms in the magic mind do good things to your mind. It has lion's mane mushrooms. It does. And it has cordyceps mushrooms. It does. And Along with other things. they're good for your brain and they're good for your guts. And, you know, in case you didn't pick up on this, we'll go back. Magic mind is a drink. It's basically a little shot. It's like a green tea matcha shot and it's to help promote anti-anxiety um give you a boost of energy help you focus all while not pumping you full of caffeine and all of the bad things that coffee and monster red bull energy drinks have that they pump in your body so we had magic mind reach out to us they like what we do we like what they do so we become partners Blah, 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 blah. We right. officially have our first partner, and it's with a brand that we both have been personally using and personally endorsed. So I know for me, I was going into this being like, I'm tired of drinking five cups of coffee a day. I would rather find something that's a little bit easier for me. I've also been on a matcha latte kick, but obviously those are also sometimes full of a ton of ca- um, calories and sugar. So this is a nice little fun shot supplement, and I've been taking it once a day after my first cup of coffee, and I usually don't have another cup of coffee afterward. I'll have my coffee, I'll have my magic mind, and then I'll move on to water or sometimes juice. But yeah, what's your experience been, Stephanie? Uh, I like it because it helps me focus. I like Ooh. to, you know, go and read and journal in the mornings. And this weekend was a nice one because I was away for the weekend in Atlantic City. And I got to sit on the beach and enjoy my my nice little chill time reading my books. And I got to focus my energy on that. And I wasn't really like, you know, my usual in the morning is like, just trying to keep it together. And <laughs> I felt very together. I felt very composed. And it was a really nice little 
little mellow time on on my little juicy juice. They're so cute. I love the the artwork. I like the <laughs> the lettering. I like the bottle. Oh, I know. And it's I so like cute. the stuff inside, and it's good for me. It's so cute. It really is just like a little shot. It's totally. I've been just drinking them straight, but I think this next week I'm gonna try mixing them in with other things, like a sparkling water or maybe like some frothed milk, and see what that does. But right now I just straight up just pound it and go get it girl (laughs) just pound it and then i crush the little bottle in my hand and i throw it away and i go let's tackle this day i give it a little kiss and tell it thank you like it's a maria kondo thing oh that's really that's a lot nicer than what i do to it i just throw it on the ground like get to work. That's it, and it does. But so yeah, anyways, <laughs> try it out. And do we have a? Do we have? We a do. Offer so for the people, we're not just here telling you all about Magic Mind and then leaving you uh, on your own. We're telling you about Magic Mind because we have a discount code for you. So everyone, oh, bear, go. Bear, bear, bear. Bitch, you know we love a discount. Oh, who doesn't love a good sale? I love a good sale. Go check it out. She's serving discount code. She's giving. Literally giving you percentage off. Giving you money back. (laughs) Giving you energy. Giving you nootropics. Giving you a tiny bit of caffeine. Giving you confidence. I don't know. That hasn't happened yet. But you know, I'll give it another week. We'll see. It'll blow your magic mind. Yes. Um, I'm done. I'm done. Bitch. <laughs> hey, hey, I see what you did there. Ding, ding. Um, so go visit www.magicmind.co. Don't put the M on the end. Don't put the M nope, on the no end. No M, you little. Mm-hmm. Dot C-O slash stories with a Z at the end. That'll take you right to the website. That'll let you get your little trial pack or if you want to commit to a full pack, give it a shot. I highly recommend it. Give it a shot. Take the shot. Experience the nutrients and the benefits from the shot. And then you can get a 20% off discount code when you use the code STORIES20. So it's STORIES with a Z to zero. twenty. And go check out Magic Mind. You'll be hearing us talk about Magic Mind for the next few weeks as we also continue our journey of incorporating it into our lifestyle. Exciting. I love it. Speaking of, I'm ready to have (laughs) my mind blown by these this final next to last installment. All right, are we ready? Let's get into it. Hey Sarah. I'm ready. Hey Stephanie. Hey Leslie. Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Okay, Sarah. Okay, Stephanie. (laughs) Today I'm talking about a different kind of spiritual leader. Hmm. Have you ever heard of a woman named Teal Swan? I just recently have. And her cult of white women? Oh, you just recently have. Yes. Um, how have you come about learning about Teal Swan? TikTok. TikTok? <laughs> what are people saying about her these days? Uh, cult leader, narcissistic. Um, that's, I mean, I, those two go hand in hand. Uh, and then so the, there's just been the, a lot 
Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff to come out about her, especially particularly recently. There was a documentary series called The Deep End. Right. It came out from Freeform, and it is on Hulu. At and first, you- I couldn't figure out if it was a legit documentary or if it was a mockumentary about cult mm. documentaries. No, it is very well done, I have to say. Mm. Sometimes, though... Ooh, the score, they really get you with the score, where you'll forget that you're watching a documentary and you're like, is this like a horror movie? See, I think that's why I thought that maybe it was a dramatization and not... But no, it's a documentary. It's wow. very real. And you know, I love a four-episode story arc. It's It really is the right way to do it. Evil Genius did it. Yeah. And that's our standard. Yeah. So I've actually gone through a, a series of things. My first one that I, I partook in was The Gateway, which is a podcast from Gizmodo. And it's six episodes about Teal Swan. That's from 2018. This documentary from Freeform, this just came out um, over the last few weeks. The final episode came out maybe two or three weeks ago, but it was a four-week series. So the most recent one just came out a few weeks ago, and I'm sure that after people watching it, they're, they've got a lot of things to say. Now, I became interested, or I became, I started learning about her just before the Freeform documentary came out. So that I was like, okay, I kind of know who she is. And I started watching it and listening to the podcast about the same time. Uh, But it's important because of where they take place timeline-wise. That's also why I was asking you, like, okay, well, where have you heard about her? Because I'm sure now on TikTok people don't have a lot of great things to say about her. But this is also in light of this new documentary that just came out. So she is, like, a spiritual leader, an influencer, and an author. That's the, the best way that I would describe teal swan she's a triple threat what else so they said she was a cult leader did they give you any other kind of insight into what she does or what she's got going on no not a lot i saw a lot of people comparing it to um what was that recent nicole kidman dramatic series nine perfect strangers nine perfect i've heard people compare it to that and that's really about the depth of my knowledge because i'll be honest it took me a few videos to realize like oh this is this is real life this is not a mockumentary yes are you talking about did you see videos of her yes yeah because i was like oh this is so funny this is making fun of this like white woman influencer culture of course she's out like in the desert with her hat and all of her ladies that look exactly the same that's really funny it seems strange it's right just, that like, real. to us that some people would find it so compelling because i too i now of course maybe it's because i've watched these documentaries or whatever i too find her the way she speaks to be very off-putting it doesn't make me It doesn't make me feel very comfortable, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But a lot of her videos, the way that they are set up is there's like this hypnotic background. And she has kind of like a, she speaks in this kind of droning voice. And it's, she's like staring right into the camera. She has these very piercing, like teal, like, like green, blue eyes, maybe teal eyes. Not quite teal. That is her name. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, so for me, it might be kind of hard to see the appeal, but I also watched this other documentary that is from 2017, and it's called Open Shadow, and this is a documentary 
that is much more flattering of Teal and the work that she does. And so, of course, it showed her in a lot more flattering light and a little more smiley and a little less, like, just weird, drony, cult talky. But beyond, you know, how she talks or whatever, she's a very controversial figure because of how she talks primarily about suicide. We're going to get into that today, so I want to give a content warning. We're going to talk a little bit about suicide, we're going to talk a little bit about abuse, and we're going to talk a little bit about self-harm, because all of those are going to play into what we're talking about today, so I want to put that warning out there. Okay. So she has over 1.3 million followers on YouTube with over 156 million views of her videos. She has more than half a million Instagram followers and she has a pretty active following on Facebook that calls themselves the Teal Tribe. She practices a proprietary methodology that she calls the completion process to process trauma in order to overcome it. You kind of made a face. (laughs) Well, it's also the term for orgasming. Oh, completion. (laughs) Sure. You just needed a good O. A good O, man. Then you'll be fine. You'll be healed. So uh, this process, the completion process, she created a (laughs) sort of... We're going to talk about it a lot. So... And I'm you might not laugh anymore. every time. When we go into detail about it, you might not laugh anymore, but we will. (laughs) Oh, no. But we're going to get into that. Is it okay? more about edging then and less about like completion? So the completion no, process, she created this certification program, which at this time currently has 52 registered practitioners worldwide. And it's listed on the program's website so that people can find people who practice the completion process and can like work them through it. She's referred to by many of her followers as the spiritual catalyst. And she travels the world speaking at events, doing meet and greets, and she runs a facility in Costa Rica called Philia. And Philia is what people will compare Nine Perfect Strangers to. And I'm trying to remember because they talk about it on The Gateway, but I can't remember which came first, Nine Perfect Strangers. I think the book came out before, like, her first retreat session, but... There are parallels that people see between them, but it's, like... It's uh, it's more insidious, I would say, than, I mean, Nine Perfect Strangers is, very, is like, really funny, I guess, and also, like, weird. I don't know. It's hard to describe it. But it's also, like, this small, selected group of people, whereas Teal has content that she makes on YouTube that is accessible to just anybody. So it isn't necessarily Mm -hmm. that she's giving this treatment, this care directly one-on-one to everyone that she has following her. Like there are people who just watch her YouTube videos and they don't have that contact with her. So that's kind of important to, to think about as well. Like there isn't really a control group Anybody could just come across her YouTube videos. To go to Philia, uh, people have to pay money to go to Philia. And while there are things like people have to pay to get registered to do the completion process, like if they're going to be a practitioner of it, but they don't like Nexium. It's not an MLM. Like it's not like, okay, like we get a kickback every time you do it. Like they just get paid to do the certification process, but then that person makes the money that they make doing what it is that they teach. She also has books Mm -hmm. describing her thoughts and her advice for whatever people are going to do. 
but they don't have a particularly steady, like, specific way of, of getting income that is, like, growable. That's their biggest struggle. Uh, that's also one of her biggest things that's, like, you know we're not a cult because cults also, like, prey on your money and we don't prey on people's money and, like, we tell people that they should make money, but we don't tell them that they should give it all to us. Like, that's not a thing that mm. we do. She has all kinds of, this is why we're not a cult, but we'll get into it. Yeah, that's sus. That sounds like something someone in a cult would say. Sure. So, like I said, she's primarily known for her teaching and her YouTube channel, and she has a successful series called Ask Teal. Her production company is called Teal Eye LLC. It is an all-volunteer organization that aims to create positive world change. They make her YouTube videos and they partner with other organizations with causes that they believe in, like end-of-life care, integrative medicine, alternative health, the education system, environmental endeavors, parenting programs, humanitarian endeavors, food industry reform, animal welfare, and criminal justice reform. This is one of those you're like down with the cult so far things, right? Yeah, right. You're like, okay, I agree with all of these. Some of Teal's ideas and tactics are incredibly controversial. Her critics, so she calls herself and people around her call her the spiritual catalyst, but some of her biggest critics call her the suicide catalyst. So at least two of her followers have taken their own lives. She speaks very openly about suicide, death, and grief. She says that she can speak from experience because she has tried to take her own life multiple times. And so she has the knowledge to speak to people about how to deal with those feelings from her personal experience, even though she has no formal mental health training. No. 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 So I don't like that. The way the completion process works, the completion process is designed to have people relive their most traumatic memories and visualize their own death as a relief from their pain. What? That, no. Mm. She says that the idea behind this is that if you truly believe you could die at any time, including if you plan to kill yourself... How would you focus on living your life that you have left between now and then? She tells people to ask themselves, what would someone who loved themselves do? But she's also told people, she's used the phrase that people have to choose to commit to life or commit to death. They have to be committed to one or the other. And she's a believer in reincarnation. So she has said in the past that suicide could be seen as a reset button on life. Um, though often difficult circumstances would follow you to the next life, so it's best that you resolve it now. Okay, I don't ascribe to any of that. That all sounds incredibly bad, especially for someone who's dealing with depression and wanting to, and suicidal ideologies, to tell them, why don't you just lean into that a little bit, and that'll make you better. Sometimes, so she's contradicted herself. Sometimes she says, like, suicide is not her main focus. Like, that's just what people know her for because that's the controversial thing that she talks about. But sometimes she also, she acknowledges that vulnerable people, often suicidal people, are, like, the biggest, like, her biggest supporters. Like, the biggest group of people that follow her. And some of that is 
through design by very clever SEO marketing. Mm. So there's like the regular kind of like life purpose stuff that pulls them in. But her team also has tags on questions, especially questions that people tend to ask themselves when they are in grief, when they are suicidal. So they have tags on things like, I want to kill myself. What do I do? Or like, my mother just died. What do I do? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I have a plan. And those kind of things will draw them into Teal's videos where she talks about her feelings on suicide and how it's treated in the American medical system. This is one of those things where, like, there's a little bit of truth to it. And that's what makes people more interested in it. Because the reality is that it's very difficult for different mental health professionals to deal with suicide. There isn't a lot of study into how to deal with it. There is a number, there's the National Suicide Prevention Number, which mid-July will be 988, which is exciting. It's a three-digit number, like 911, Mm -hmm. instead of the 1-800 number that it is now that I don't remember. But basically, her argument is that most therapists are very underprepared on how to help with mental health, and especially with how to deal with suicidal ideation. And that when people are feeling suicidal, what they're met with is like, no, you shouldn't feel that way. And there's always a reason to live. And she says that speaking to people like that can make them feel more isolated by telling them there's something wrong with them because they feel that way. And that feeling that way is a problem. Whereas she says that her methodology is kind of like saying, well, it makes sense that you feel that way. It makes sense that you want to kill yourself because you're going through something. Let's explore what you're going through. Let's dive deeper into why you feel that way. When's the first time that you felt that way? Like, how do you feel about it now? Looking back on it, like, let's explore it. Let's heal from that trauma. Mm -hmm. So that's her kind of idea about her approach. So that's what that's what she thinks she's effectively doing. Yes. Okay. But again, she's not licensed. She so has no little, actual training and no education. Correct. She is not a licensed. Yes, she's not a licensed mental health person. Now she so, did uh, practice Reiki for some time, but okay. Reiki, as you know, is like a. Yeah, <laughs> Reiki is like a energy healing kind of thing and we'll talk about that a little bit later but that's it like she doesn't have correct she doesn't have any sort of like psychiatry psychologies she doesn't have any sort of like degree in in stuff like that so she was like i tried to kill myself twice and i didn't it didn't happen and i came out on the other side and i think i know how i did that so let me just go and start talking to people as though I'm a licensed person when I'm not, she she then didn't decide to go and get the education so that maybe she could then bring both aspects together to, like, I don't know, learn what parts of what she was doing were good and helpful and then what parts aren't. She just said, I know it all and let me go tell people. We're going to get into. So a lot of people, her followers, they know that she doesn't have any sort of like professional training they believe her credibility in her experience and we're going to talk a little bit about her experience growing up and some of what she went through that helped shape who she is as a spiritual leader to this day 
So she was born in Santa Fe, New Mexico on June 16th, 1984. So that's the same year as my brother. She's my brother's age, like late 30s. Mm -hmm. Very shortly thereafter, her family moved to Logan, Utah. Now, her parents were very granola and hippy-dippy, but they moved to a very highly Mormon area. And she was very much an outcast from that group, both because she wasn't Mormon and because she was, you know, kind of weird from this family. Um, But also, she said because she was different, um, and she didn't understand that she was different until she started to get older and, like, saw how people treated her and realized that other people didn't see things the way that she saw things. Some of what she describes to me, although I didn't hear anyone else say this on the internet, Mm -hmm. um, some of what she describes to me sounds like synesthesia. Are you familiar with synesthesia? Yeah, it's where um, you can, like, smell colors. That's not it, but... It's, you can hear colors. So, yes. So, this is a, now this is a very real phenomenon. This is not like, you know, telekinesis where it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know any proof about telekinesis. But (laughs) synesthesia is a very real phenomenon that happens with some people who experience, they have extrasensory experiences for things that don't have any logical or rational link. So one example, I think, Sarah, you said smelling colors. She says she hears colors. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes people with synesthesia will say, like, certain smells or sounds will affect other senses where, like, they'll smell something and it'll make them see something or something like that, where it affects another sense that isn't necessarily wired to go off in people who don't have synesthesia so that's something that she she described like hearing colors and seeing like just like auras around people and stuff like that where i'm like part of this sounds like that but uh she said she described herself as having clairvoyance clairsentience and clairaudience as well as access to the akashic records and she had a punch card for claire's so she hit all the all the claire boxes so clairvoyance that would explain like the auras right but that's seeing like being seeing things that can't be seen clairsentience is like she understands she just knows things beyond explanation and clear audience. She can hear things that other people can't hear. Um, and then there's the access to the Akashic records. So the Akashic records are this, I, this theoretical, like occult existence of a compendium of all universal events, thoughts, words, emotions, and intent ever to have occurred in the past, present, or future in terms of all entities and life forms, not just human. So she says that she has the education that she has from her own experience, as well as she has the ability to just know what it is she needs to know to heal people. Mm. I don't need to go to Claire's to know that that's a load of bullshit. (laughs) Well... Be that as it may, it made her experience as a child very difficult because she had all these sensory experiences that she was understanding other children were not having. Well, yeah, I'm sure other kids don't like you when you present yourself as a (laughs) know-it-all. I have access to all the records and I know everything. No one's going to want to play with you. 
So she began to show signs of distress from a very early age, like being really depressed, being an outcast. And her parents knew that she had something going on, but were at a loss for at searching for help at this time. They took her to many different therapists and analysts who suggested she may have anything ranging from a personality disorder to schizophrenia. And she says the beginning of the age of six, she also began to be sexually abused by a family friend. So this, she had this going on. She had a compounded trauma of her experience of how she was treated by other children and what she was going through with this older man who was supposed to be a family friend. Assault. And she said that that abuse continued until she was 19 years old. That's not okay. No. By the age of 16, she described herself as having an addiction to cutting And she had a deep desire to take her own life. So her parents took her to, they, like I said, they were trying all these different methods of therapy. She also says a big part of, there was all the things she was going through sensory wise, as well as what was going on with this man, that they didn't know about what was happening with him. And they didn't understand that that was part of what was compounding how she was feeling, right? Um, so of all the different places mm-hmm. they took her, by the time she was 16, she, uh, they took her to, um, like a Qigong center in China. And I was like, isn't Qigong kind of like Tai Chi? And from my understanding, Qigong is to Tai Chi as like a pose is to yoga. Like Qigong is like a move and Tai Chi is like a series of, of moves, like a flow of Qigong. So they took her to a Qigong center in China, and at the center, the teachers told Teal and her parents that she was hypersensitive, but that this was a blessing and a gift, but it was very difficult to live with. But this was the first time in Teal's life that someone had told her that these extrasensory abilities were good. They were something special. They were a good thing for her to focus on. Um, rather than like something that made her a freak or made her like stand out from other people. And this was a really life changing experience for Teal, who up until this point had just thought of herself as like a burden and having all these senses that made her have a miserable life. Now, that time in China was monumental, mm-hmm. but they did have to go back to Utah and she went back to. The life that she had there, including the abuse continuing without her parents' knowledge. And she said that after having gone from that time in China where she was so special and her, you know, gift was so important back to what she was experiencing in Utah, that that only made it worse. Like it was a living hell going back to Utah. When she was 19 years old, she finally moved away from her parents, moved away from Logan, and she moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, where she met a man named Blake Dyer. Now, they met at a party, which apparently Teal does not normally go to parties, so that was already out of character. And after only two or three meetings, Blake invited Teal to live with him because she told him about what her life was like and what her living situation was like. And while that sounds like the potential for a really bad time... Blake had no expectations and showed Teal what she said was her first experience of truly unconditional love. Through her relationship with Blake, she began to trust people and start her journey to heal. 
Their relationship was romantic for a year or so, but ultimately they broke up and stayed very close friends and continued living together. And he encouraged her to begin going to therapy about all of her trauma. Now, Blake is really important because, like I said, he is who she, like, credits as, like, helping her heal and, like, showing her how to trust people again. And they lived together at that time. They continued to live together and Blake became her business manager as she grew into what she started to do. And for the purposes of this story until now, going forward, still together for 20 years. Blake is the manager of her business. Okay. Okay. And you're like, there's something weird going on there. <laughs> but he seems like a... But I assume we'll hear about that in part but two. But he seems like a really nice guy, right? I, and I would say that he is. There's no reason for you to doubt that. I still... Through yeah. all of what I know and, like, continuing, this isn't just, like, for right now in the story, Blake is a very decent, like, good dude. <laughs> That's important. So. All right. Noted. Blake, good. She starts going to therapy. And for the very first time, Teal begins to speak about the things that she experienced with this friend of the family that she refers to as Doc. She has never outed him publicly as to who he is. But she said that he was a veterinarian, which is why she refers to him as Doc. Uh, uh-huh. So after going through her experiences with Blake and her experiences with therapy, she began to work on herself. She started trying to, like, figure out what she wanted to do with her life, okay? Now, that was the early to mid-2000s. So by 2011 is when she's doing Reiki in Salt Lake City. And she meets a couple named Leslie and John Waynesgard. And they didn't meet her doing her Reiki at the Mystic Spiral, (laughs) which is where a lot of people who ended up working with her early on met her. Uh, They actually met her at the dog park. They were really drawn to her. They said spiritually, they were like, me and my wife saw you from across the dog park and we really like your vibes. Oh my gosh. We were wondering if we could buy you a drink. But no, they said it was not a sexual interest at all. That they just, they were just drawn to her spiritually. She just had this, this vibration about her. And she was the kind of person that like, they really wanted to get to know. They really wanted to to learn from her. She had a lot of good things going on and they were some of her earliest supporters. She, so this was all in 2011. She wrote her first book, which is called the sculptor in the sky. She started her YouTube channel. She hosted her first workshop in Salt Lake city, Utah with about 20 people in attendance. And she posted it to her YouTube channel. That event was produced by Leslie and John Wayne's guard. So they put up the money for her to produce this workshop They helped her with her YouTube page. Um, When she had the workshop, Leslie took tickets. Like, they were very involved with the work that she was doing. So her work as a spiritual leader took off immediately to where she was able to sustain herself financially solely doing this work. So she had, like, her reeky energy work that she was doing, but, like, doing her YouTube, doing these public speaking engagements and selling her books, she was pretty quickly making enough money that she could do that full time, that she could just be the spiritual influencer that she wanted to be. 
Her team was really good, like I said before, at using strategic search engine optimization to find their niche, which their niche was, or niche or niche, however you want to say it, their niche, uh, but their niche was vulnerable and often mostly suicidal people. And they grew that brand. Mm. Yeah. In 2012, while Teal was away for a retreat, Leslie Wainsgard tried desperately to get a hold of her, and later she took her own life. And she was found by her husband 19 hours after the fact. Yeah. Wow. So Teal says that she mourned deeply for Leslie, but what Leslie was needing at that time was 100% presence, which was not something that she, Teal, or even Leslie's husband, John, would be able to provide for her. When someone is determined to take their own life like that, Teal says, quote, there is nothing that any healer could do for that type of vibration. So she's basically saying... Leslie needed to have people around, like, don't leave her alone because she's having these thoughts and then was like, but, you know, me and her husband, we had to leave her alone. What I'm hearing right is that, like, she needed someone to be around her 24-7 at this time, which I was not able to do and neither was her husband. And there's nothing any any healer could do about that kind of vibration. So because she couldn't keep Leslie alive, she believes that no one could have helped Leslie. But also the description of she needed to be supervised, that sounds like she needs to be she needed to be institutionalized at that time. Be hospitalized, yeah. And while And if you knew that that's the level she was at, you should have gotten her help. Right. So, and at that time, they were very close. And where Teal is at now, she has her tight inner circle still. So she has like a close group of people that she works with more directly. But she also has, like I said, over a million followers on the internet. So these are people who do not have that kind of access to her whatsoever. They only have her from these videos that she's putting on the internet. She doesn't have the training like we talked about. And even if she she doesn't believe in the mental health care system as it is, so she doesn't trust an institution that Leslie may have been put into at that time, but there are people whose lives have been saved by being put in an institution at a time where they needed to if they were a threat to their own lives. That has happened, even if exactly. she doesn't have faith in that system. Yep. And... It's not like Leslie was just a YouTube follower. This was like her first biggest supporter. Now, personally, emotionally, and financially. And you're going to just let her flounder like that. So John, which is Leslie's widow, John is still very loyal to Teal and Teal's work. He doesn't go to her workshops anymore because he can't afford them. But he still watches her YouTube videos and is still very into her teaching. She won't even give him free admission. No. She won't even comp a workshop for him. He said that when Teal met Leslie, she said that she had never seen someone whose soul so badly wanted to leave the body and was still in the body. Yes. She was setting it up. 
is what it sounds like, where she was like, oof, something's going to happen here, and I cannot be to blame now, for it. For she, uh, at that time, Leslie was also working on going off of her medication, which was Paxil. And Paxil is an antidepressant. And while John doesn't know if Teal encouraged her to go off of her medication, he said that Teal had encouraged him to go off of his medication because it can interfere with, like, your ability to pursue your spiritual endeavors. Yeah. So, Leslie, unfortunately, was the first of Teal's followers to take their own life. And Leslie's family, not Leslie's husband, <laughs> to be clear, um, Leslie's family, to some extent, blamed John, right? Especially because John still follows Teal. So, John, like, did he not see mm-hmm. what she was going through? Was he not there for her? And the fact that it was 19 hours before he discovered her body... He said it's because they had very different schedules that she was, uh, that he was working nights and she was working daytime. So he, she kissed him. She went to bed and then he went to work. He came home. He went to bed, assuming she was at work. They were sleeping in two separate rooms because of their weird schedules. Mm -hmm. So he came home and went to bed, assuming that she was at work when he got up later when he thought she would be home from work and saw her door was still closed, that's when he went in to check on her and found that she had already died. And he says that that's why it took him so long to find her. But her family is suspicious that he either may have encouraged it, maybe saw that she wasn't doing well and didn't check on her, but that he, they believe that he was trying to get insurance money and his sister, or sorry, excuse me, her sister actually requested the police get involved and investigate it but they couldn't find anything to that effect and leslie had written notes like she left notes explicitly like saying that she was taking her own life and and leaving her love Mm. and whatever else behind Jeez. so (sighs) unfortunately that's where we're going to leave off today in the story of teal swan so We are going to talk next week more in detail about Teal's experience, her growth, and where she is today after these three different documentaries have come out. Yeah, where's she going to go? One of her biggest financial backers just croaked. Well, and now she's, like I said, by this point, she's got the YouTube, she's got the books. But this was the first year of her, like, spiritual guiding practice and this was 10 years ago this was 2012 wow so in her first year someone really close to her now she said you know she mourned leslie dearly and that leslie was a very close friend of Of course but you know that any therapist or any healer or anyone who has a client where they do this kind of work with them eventually when you do this kind of work with people who are suicidal Eventually, someone is going, you're going to lose a patient. And she said it was devastating and it made her question, sure. like, am I doing the right work? Is this, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? But ultimately, like, it was a learning experience about, like, what she is capable of as a healer and what she's not and how to take that forward into what she does. Wow. Ooh, well, I guess tune in next week for the tealing. So. 
part so two. So tune in next week when we're going to get a little bit more information about her, like I said, her experience, what she, what she's been through, uh, and the work that she's done since, and where we are with the documentaries. And that's, yeah, that's this week, man. Wow. So... I want to thank you for listening. I know it's a heavy topic and I'm coming back next week to talk about more. So just be prepared because I think that this person, this story is really fascinating and there's just a lot to unpack, which is why it's in two episodes because there's so much to talk about. So if you want to support our show, which we highly recommend you keep doing, you can support us by going to our Patreon and subscribing there. We've got bonus content. It's really exciting. It's a great place. We also have our email. You can email us at deadtimestories with a Z at gmail.com. And the best way you can help us that doesn't cost you any money is to leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast Store, on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, anywhere where you listen to podcasts. It's super helpful. It puts us up in the algorithm and it lets people know to listen to us. It does. And don't forget to pop over to magicmind.co slash stories. Use stories our discount code stories with a Z two zero. You would get 40% off if you did a subscription and you get 20% off a one-time purchase. Go check it out. That's we highly recommend. That's deal, man. Do it. That's it. That's it, man. Well, thank you for listening. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. Stories. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 